week, I've been talking about the NFL because obviously it's back. Obviously, look, we're a week away from today from starting NFL football. But if you know the woman to my right, you know that it's about football north of the border talk time. Because why? This is one of the highlight, not the highlight. I'd say the biggest highlight weekend in the CFL apart from Grey Cup Sunday, right? And by the way, guys, Sarah said to my right. So, Sarah, apart from that question, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me again. No problem. No problem. But like I was saying earlier, though, would you agree that this is probably the biggest CFL weekend apart from the Grey Cup weekend? Definitely. People usually say that the CFL season doesn't start until Labor Day, um, as in like the games don't necessarily mean as much as they would um, starting Labor Day and moving forward. I personally don't agree with that, mainly because I just love the CFL any any week. <laughs> but um, but for sure, I mean, it's a big deal. There's big rivalries, right? That's the that's I think why um, you know people love it so much is also because it's it's based in you know Canadian history. It's like these rivalries started during Labor Day weekend. That's just the thing, too. And for three of the four games we have this weekend, it's all either provincial-based or within, like, provincial borders where they're so close to where it's just not only do the teams not like each other, but the fans do not like each other. There's, like, I've been to both Argo Ticat games this year, and you see signs on opposite ends where it's just chirp after chirp thrown back at each other. And before we go into the games, anything like that, I know for the game that you and I, I assume you'll be there Monday afternoon at Tim Hortons Field. 100%. <laughs> same, same with me. Thank you, Brandon. I just got my confirmation yesterday. Um, I know that for Hamilton, regardless of their record, because this year hasn't been the best, they're coming off a big win. And I know, though, that they will be getting up to play this game Monday afternoon. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. I mean, Yes, they came off a big win, a surprising one, to be honest. Nobody really yeah. thought that that would happen in BC, especially as BC was pretty much had not lost at home this entire season. And they've also been, you know, a top Grey Cup contender that we were talking about from the very beginning. So it's just funny how Hamilton, who the week prior lost to the Edmonton Elks, who didn't have a win, who were like, what, 0-9, where, you know, beat the, the Ticats were beat by the Elks. The week later, they end up having a big win on their, you know, on their table. So um, it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, I'm going to be honest, the the Argos are going off this year. And I feel like it'll likely be just Argos Nation out here, um, unfortunately, at Tim Hortons Field. But it's going to be a good game regardless. Like, there might be, you know, some unexpected surprises. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And, like, the Argonauts are forces here, but then Hamilton, too. Like, look, they had the embarrassing loss against Edmonton, which I actually – I took the Elks that game. I just had a weird feeling going into it. I'm like, this feels like if the Elks were going to win a game, this was it. Now they've won two in a row, so we'll see what happens there. But from a Toronto perspective, and I feel like from a Hamilton perspective, see if Toronto wanted to continue their dominance, even though Friday it was not pretty against Calgary, but they got the job done. And you got a Hamilton team coming off a big win against the BC Lions team, like you said, not lost at home all year, looked incredible at home, shut out Edmonton twice amongst other games, even to, I believe, they one of the games they just absolutely dominated Calgary, and they've beaten Winnipeg in Winnipeg. But you now have an Hamilton. I'm basically going full circle with this because Hamilton's wanting to prove something. Their fans want to shut up Toronto Argonaut fans. For as much like, look, I love the, we both we both bleed double blue, but we know at the end of the day for Hamilton Tiger Cat fans, they want this win. They want to go basically and just shut up Toronto, especially to – on the news today, like I said, if you guys go with my Twitter, I'll have an article out soon that Chad Kelly locked up for three more years in Toronto as a quarterback. So there's so much ammo in this game for Hamilton to just want to come up and just leave the home fans happy. Because I remember in July, they were leaving early. 
Yeah. I mean, of course, definitely Hamilton does want to win this one for multiple reasons. Um, one, the rivalry game. Two, they haven't been doing as well as they have wanted, you know, this year. Obviously, unfortunately, the injury of Bo Levi Mitchell really just kind of messed up the plans or messed up the momentum even. Um, James Butler, one of the best. I will stand by that till forever and ever. Like, if there's one thing that Ty Cats have, it's James Butler. He's entertaining. He racks up yards. He scores. Like, he's just one of the best. Um and of course, he played a big role with that win against BC with his former team. But of course, the Hamilton, you know, fans and team themselves do want this win. Um, and especially because they're hosting the Grey Cup this year. I think for them, it's a lot of it is riding on the fact that like everybody's going to come and see whoever playing the Grey Cup. But of course, they're hoping that it's them. And they, they're hoping that they still have that chance to make the playoffs and, and get to that point. Um, Chad Kelly, I mean... It's huge for the Argos, right? Like, yeah. it's not just because, first of all, let me just say this. I've said this a hundred times. This is a new era of the Argos, period. It started last year and carried into this year. Um, if last year didn't happen, this year wouldn't happen for multiple different reasons. But this year in itself, I would even argue, is even another era from last year. Even though they are carrying that on, like, they're going to be, they're probably going to be, you know, in the Grey Cup again. That's my prediction. Um, but it's huge for Toronto because Chad Kelly has been very vocal about the fact also that he wants to go back to the NFL. You know, of course, his uncle is a huge NFL legend that's been bred into his mind since he was pretty much born. Um, you know, he was he has been incredible since he was young as well. Right. He got trained by the best, you know, family members as well as, of course, had I'm sure like the best staff uh people to, to to teach him how to be that go-to quarterback and he unfortunately struggled and i say struggled not on the field i say struggled like in his personal life and whatnot off the field um to stay in that position to become that nfl quarterback that you know he wanted to be so badly i'm sure um and and it happens but it ultimately led him here and i and i will say like i've spoken to him a bunch of times about you know, his journey and whatnot. And of course he's used to almost people scrutinizing him because of his past. He's used to that type of energy, you know, oh, he has to explain himself or he has to always mention, you know, I grew, I got better. I'm, 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 you know, more mature now. And he really is. And that's the great thing is we're not only seeing that in just in terms of like, yes, he's still a good quarterback on the field and he's developing in that way, but we're also seeing it, um, in the actual locker room, like you can see the vibes are high. He's, he's every single interview he does, he ends it with go Argos, right? He's locked in, he's ready to go. Everybody can see that and he's performing well. And so one, it's well-deserved that he had this three-year contract Two, It's huge for the Argos because they're, you know, basically locking in their future and thinking, okay, this new, we're going to, we're going to make sure that we win. That's their mentality in this. And it's also a culture thing. It's a huge yes. thing that I think a lot of times people, I'm sure pe you know, people talk about it, but I think undervaluing it, you know, of course we can look at the numbers. Um, he has like, what, like six rushing touchdowns this season already crazy for a quarterback in my opinion, but especially in a passing league, <laughs> but um, it's also behind the scenes. Any TikTok you see of them, they're of the Argos 
for, on the, their account or on their personal stuff. They're laughing, they're joking, they're, they're, you know, having fun. He's part of the mix. Like those type, that type of energy of that connection between every, all the guys is huge. And the fact that they're trying to keep that energy going, it's not going to end in my opinion. I think it's really just the beginning. He's, he's learned the game here in the Canadian football game and, and he's, he's committed to it. And he's also going to be the highest paid CFL athlete, which is bonkers because this is his first season technically as a starter. I don't even count that game last year against Montreal. I don't really count it. It didn't mean anything. It was the literal last game of the season. Like it was just whatever. He did okay. It was fine. But this year, just the fact that this is his first year and he's getting paid more than guys who have been here 10 plus years. Let's just take that in. 10 yeah. plus. Wild. And and congrats to him and the Argos. <laughs> Well, the news actually broke today. So when I was down at practice, it was his agent who basically made an Instagram about it. And that's where all his reporters, it was mainly it was from Dave Naylor, basically broke wind of it, where it was like, yeah, hey, so his agents out there posting, because obviously CFL players, their salaries aren't disclosed. And everyone's thinking, you know, hey, it's the 25 grand a year, plus you're a gym teacher in the offseason, which, look, a lot of them may go that route after they play. But I think the lowest paid guy is like six, uh, no, it's like 60 or 70, somewhere in there. So they're still like able to make a decent living. Yeah. Um, but with the Chad Kelly points, and even today, like he was very, very thankful for his opportunity. He basically like took the chance to learn and like, Hey, I made my mistakes. The past is the past. I can only look to the future. I can only look ahead. I completely agree with you. Like they have the videos too, where it's like, how many holes does a straw have? What's your favorite chip flavor? He's in them and he's actually answering it instead of being like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. It's like, he's involved. Like I see that attitude, like, cause every game I've been to at BMO and even the one in Hamilton, there's a sense of just brotherhood and there's a culture built within that I think starts from the head down that has pinball written over it. You have Dinwiddie, who also is locked up to a long-term extension. That's something I asked pinball about today. Just a general, hey, you have two pillars of your organization locked up long-term. And it's basically showing that this team is committed to winning because on Friday, some people, I think we're getting the impression of, hey, this could be a one-and-done thing. You know, they run the table, they go all in win in Hamilton, but I think they're trying to build up that culture of what they were when pinball was a player in the Doug Flutie days of the Toronto Argonauts. So ultimately we'll wait and see what happens, but this is a team right now that if you look at them on paper, I even look at their schedule and I'm like, besides that Winnipeg game, every other game they have this season is winnable. So it's ultimately them against the world. And I think, it, I still feel like this, that it's, they are, they are, if they do eventually not make it or they don't get to the goal of making it, I feel like it's because they will have been their own worst enemy instead of getting outplayed by a team. It's just like simple mistakes here and there. But like even Friday, offense was offense was playing good, defense was playing okay. You let 32 get loose and it's trouble for the opposing team, as we saw. So this team is versatile on all three sides of the football. Yeah, I mean First of all, pinball, one of the best ever on the field and off the field. Nicest human being. He's the nicest person you will ever meet, period. I will make that statement. Um, and also, like, he really impacts the organization, the players, whatnot. Um, the and, and like you said, yeah, like, and, and so I will say this. Obviously, it's good that Chad is accountable taking accountability for the past and, and you know, open to sharing and talking about it and, and you know, talking about how he's grown and stuff like that. That's, that's amazing. That's commendable. That's what a leader should do. But I think we need to let it go. Like, I think, I feel like at this point, we don't need to be talking about, not, not you. I'm just saying, generally speaking, no. I think we've reached a point. I think this deal today has reached a point where it's like, this is a new Chad Kelly that we can just focus on, on the good at this point, you know, like we're, we're, we're really, you know, benefiting from him essentially 
as from the league is benefiting, the fans are benefiting, the team is benefiting, the city is benefiting. Ultimately, I think shout out to him, you know, um, well-deserved and, and he should, you know, he doesn't even need to address that anymore. He is Chad Kelly. He's taking control. He's doing his thing. And what I like about that this Argos team is that it feels like they're all getting a chance to shine in some capacity. Yes. The fact that one Chad Kelly, this is just one other thing about Chad Kelly. Like one thing you'll notice is he has a handshake with like every single um, receiver, you know, they score a touchdown, they make a big play first down, whatever that, first of all, how do you remember all of this? <laughs> Cause I can, but also that's the mind of a quarterback, right? He's, he's able to remember a million things and plays and whatnot in his mind. Yeah. That makes sense. But, um, but you know, he, Bill has that bond with everyone. You're seeing DeVars Daniels go off. Let's give a clap for him because he didn't, he was, he's always been an incredible athlete, incredible receiver, but he did not get the chance before to really show that, you know, he had two, no, not two. He had one, I think it was 180 yard. Yeah. That game, he had three touchdowns. The three touchdowns against Ottawa. He was, I will never forget this. I keep repeating it. Like this whole past week, I've told like five people, but like he basically said, I haven't done that since high school. Like I literally was like, I can't remember the last time that I did that, but that just shows, you know, you know, Chad Kelly and his receivers have a trust among them and not even just the receivers, obviously running backs as well. You got Andrew Harris, you know, legend last year in, in playing in the league, um, as well as AJ Ouellette. Like, it's just, it's it's the relationships that, that really translate onto the field. And you're seeing so many guys get the opportunities and really scoring and making numbers. And you're right. Like, I think ultimately, if they fail, quote unquote, uh, sorry, knock on wood, I'm not right now. Um, I think you're right. It, it'll just be like mistakes that that is that it may be unexpected or something, but I don't think that any other team is really capable of beating them in the way that maybe other teams have been beat this season in an unexpected way. I honestly love it too, because they are the defending champions and they're performing as such. I think people really were like, if you saw the power rankings (laughs) in like preseason or first week or whatever, it was like, cause they didn't play the first week. They run a buy whatever. They were like third, I guess. And here's the thing. I get it. I know why. Right. Because last year we didn't even know what Chad Kelly was capable of. We had no idea. So people were like, I guess he's, you know, going to be new. So maybe not as good. Put him a bit lower, but they're acting as defending champions should. And they're, it's just the beginning in my opinion. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, I think there's bound to be, especially with a long season, a long regular season, there's bound to be like moments where they maybe don't, you know, win all the time. But I think ultimately like securing that number one spot, them getting that buy likely, right. They need that buy cause they haven't had a buy <laughs> uh, or they're not yeah. to be buy story, but they're not going to have a buy in the last chunk. Um, it's going to be super important. And you're right. Like they're playing Hamilton twice. I think Ottawa twice and Montreal, Montreal twice. twice. So it's like all the East teams, which frankly they can beat. Montreal is pretty good. I will say like they're Montreal is a, is a, a question mark in my mind. Um, They can just, they're a roller coaster. Yeah. They're, they're kind of like, I love that for them. I mean, I, and that's a whole other conversation because of the struggles they face in the off season with the changes. But, but yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I'm, I mean, I'm an Argos fan, so that's number one. Obviously, I'm excited in that regard, but also there's so much fun to watch. I think if you're in, I mean, I know you have some American guys or people fans watching this. Um, please watch the Argos if you're going to watch one team. (laughs) (laughs) But even the, even the, even the trainer has a handshake with DeVaris. It was actually, uh, that, 
that's just the thing too. Like even the, the, the coordination on that handshake's crazy. Like I was actually the one who asked him saying, Hey, you got three touchdowns. How does it feel? I even remember too early in the season that game against BC, they were an underdog. And I was like, that just doesn't feel right. What they go out there and do, they shut them up. Robertson, Daniel, three pick performance. And even the player that, even a guy like Cameron Dukes, he's the quarterback sneak specialist. Like he's in there getting, to, I think he has three or four touchdowns on the year. So it's just a completed team effort that they take one week at a time, which is the best thing that they can do. Cause a lot of people look ahead. A lot of people like always look to their next opponent. Meanwhile with them, it's just, Hey, one game at a time. And this team also had six weeks between games at BMO field, which I think goes very unnoticed, but in that stretch they lost. And it's like a whole season too. They lost the one game against Calgary. Besides that, this team has been, basically not they've been non-stop yeah. and even to your point about the play like the no buy coming up yeah like it's something that they have to go through especially too right now because they are injured it looks like deshaun is on the six game injured list no one knows the full like, yeah that was a he, horrible uh, moment let me just say that if you want to talk about good sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but if you want to talk sorry. about good people and good player deshaun amos number one on the list best human being best athlete that's all I'll say. And I wish him the best recovery because that was a hard moment. I don't know. Did you watch it live? Yeah, I was right there in the press box. We didn't realize oh. what happened. And then the stretcher was coming out and everything like that. And then after the game, he's just he's just rolling along. He's got even at practice day, you know those like scooter things where people like you rest your knee, but you're in a cat at least in an air like one of those like walking casts, but then he's just like scooting along, like life's good and everything like that. And I'm just like, damn, like even a guy like Enoch goes and played all year. Like I look at him and I'm like, you're just the vibes guy. Like he just literally brings like this. There's just such a good vibe around this team. Like, it's something that you can't get attracted to. And the one thing I'll say before we get into this weekend's games with Chad is I asked him this. Look, cause for all the major Toronto sports teams, there's a player you can attach yourself to. Like, you know, Austin Matthews, there's Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, Insignia, Bernadeschi, for the people who also share BMO Fields, the Argos in Toronto FC, um, even like Pascal for the Raptors. I feel like Chad Kelly is that person now to where – Fans of Toronto Argonauts or people who want to be, who are slowly becoming a fan of the Argonauts, they can attach themselves to him because we've got this. I would say this for as good as Ricky Ray was, I feel like this is the first star quarterback that Toronto fans can sink their teeth into since Damon Allen. No disrespect to the other guys, but I just feel like even like Zach Caleros, he was only here for a little term. He never had true success with the team, but this feels like the first star like quarterback that's like going to revitalize the franchise since the Damon Allen days, and those were like. 15 20 years ago so it's been a while but it's good to see that look fans are coming out because like friday night was a hugely attended game and that this team's got a winning pedigree right now so it's just a combination of winning 100 i totally agree and i and I, I think it's also a perfect fit because um there's multiple reasons let me just listen and then we can move on but one i just want to mention like you're right and it's exciting and it's so important right that he is that guy because one he came he's pretty young I mean as a court like you know guys will stay sometimes they're like what 36 I think Trevor Harris is at the moment um the quarterbacks can stay in the league you know we've seen even with Tom Brady set the tone of like an older quarterback so he's 29 right now three years to go for sure sign the contract so I can only assume maybe another three years after that so the fact that he's young we can like rely on him being here one Two, he started with the Argos. Last year was his first year in the CFL. And so he's Argos true to the core. He helped win the Grey Cup, which I feel like makes a big difference because we saw him be a champion with his team. And he was the guy that that made it, helped make it happen. And then also the fact that Buffalo fans and Argos fans or Toronto people are like intertwined. And his, you know, legacy is with, you know, family legacies with the Buffalo Bills. He's from Buffalo. He went to high yes. school in Buffalo. So it's just like the perfect storm. So I'm excited. 
So am I. I'm so I'm excited too. And that's like because that's the thing that here, like where I've been saying to open this show. Like it's been NFL because obviously we're a week away from that. But then Labor Day, like I said, we got four games. Saturday. It's weird though. No Friday night football, but this is the last week of Sunday or Monday football. For Thursday. CFL. I was like, where's my Thursday night game? There's no games. <laughs> no, no Thursday night football tonight. No, I think I feel like. I kind of agree with the NFL doing this, so the NFL, CFL doing this, where like, look, they understand they can't go against the NFL just because it's like the end of the day, they're the kings, and it's just kind of like we'll do our thing. And with that being said, look, we have to wait till Saturday night, but this is a game that truly intrigues me in BC versus Montreal because you have a BC team coming off a really bad loss to Hamilton, and we have a Montreal team who's sneakingly like right there with Toronto. They're only two games back, so with this game, like I look at it. I like the Lions to win, but I like the Alouettes to keep it close. Like, I don't think this is going to be a blowout, especially, too, because, like, look, last week, both teams got killed. Both teams just did not have good weeks. I, I thought with thir- – just before you talk, I just want to say something about the Thursday game. I remember seeing 20-17. to 17, I write weekly betting columns for Cryer Media, and I said, you know what, I think only Montreal is going to keep it close with Winnipeg. I wake up, I see 47-17, to 17, and I'm like, what the hell happened here? Like, it's just everything went off the walls in the second half. But with this being said, though, I still like – so BC is minus three and a half. I like that number, but, like, I like it to be, like, uh, Montreal to not go down without a fight, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, this is – I've actually asked multiple people about this game. Everyone literally just pauses. Uh, it can go both ways because it yeah. really can go both ways. Both these teams are pretty strong. I mean, obviously, BC – if you were to have asked me this question, like, two weeks ago, I'd been like, obviously, BC. Not because yeah. Montreal's bad, but because BC was dominating and mm-hmm. they brought something – a different kind of energy. Their offense was crazy, you know. Um, and now – we're seeing that there might be some holes in in that team and not in not that they're a bad team whatsoever. It's just that like we just didn't expect them to have maybe certain losses and go through certain things. So now that's we're seeing <laughs> exactly and like Montreal is pretty solid. And that's just when we're talking about Montreal and how they're surprised mm-hmm. they're surprising the season is their off season was bad. It was just stressful for everyone involved um, as a fan, as an organization for the players, et cetera, because basically what they had done is they had no, they they basically changed ownership within the off season. It was an unexpected change. Um, And at one point the CFL took over because they basically had no owner. So they, you know, and they lost key players. You know, they, they lost their quarterback. We thought, I remember this so well. I remember seeing like, off-season news like kind of near the end of this the season last year um after like great cup and everything and people basically saying that trevor harris was a lock to just stay in montreal like, okay yeah cool like he'll probably stay like why wouldn't he yeah. um a week or two later is when all that news dropped trevor harris has gone to saskatchewan what like it's just so many changes gino lewis leaves huge guy um you know, on the offense that like basically was the face of their franchise, I would argue, right? Obviously VA as well was very important before he left to BC, but like big, big changes, lots of also negative news saying like, you know, that they weren't, um, it just was kind of all over the place. Yeah. All that to say is that equaled people underestimating them. (laughs) And so right now, you know, Cody Fajardo, who, for those who don't know, 
Trevor Harris was the quarterback. He's a veteran quarterback who played for Montreal last year. Cody Fajardo, also a veteran at this point, played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They basically switched places. It wasn't a trade, but it feels like a trade. And yeah. so Cody Fajardo stepped into Montreal and people weren't happy with him. Like the fans weren't happy with him in Saskatchewan. So I guess like all of us were like, we don't really know what he's going to bring to the table in Montreal. Jason Moss, who's also, who who became the head coach in Montreal. So another, another change. It was a coaching change as well, head coach um, for Montreal. Used to play with, Cody, or sorry, used to work with Cody earlier um, in his career, like with Saskatchewan and earlier as well. And so basically people thought like, it's just going to be a repeat. There's going to be failures, et cetera. People don't, they lost many people. They don't know what's going to happen. And turns out they were wrong because Austin Mack comes into the picture, right? Great receiver that blew things up. I swear first week, like first few weeks had a hundred plus yards, like regularly. He was a regular hundred pluser. Um, but that's the thing. So that's the picture that we have of Montreal now is like, they are almost like a dark horse can dominate. And actually last year they were like that a little bit too. They, they made it quite far, but BC and Montreal, like Vernon Adams, Jr. The quarterback for BC, he used to play Montreal last year. He left like mid season. So that's like a revenge game. I don't know if it's a revenge or just wants to like come back home, so to speak and like do his thing. But also they're both kind of fighting for second place a little bit there. Like they, I think Montreal's one win away from BC, sorry, third place for third place in the whole league. Um, So there's that element as well. But yeah, it's so hard to tell what's going to happen. But I mean, Montreal has home field advantage. So I don't know. They do. Like I'm looking at the standings right now. Like Montreal's at six and four and BC's at seven and four, so it's also keeping ahead with first place because obviously you have nine and two and eight and one that are first place in uh, each division, if you will. But I, like when I said the roller coaster thing with Montreal earlier, it's because like how early on in the season, like look, they have a game where they're good and then they have a game where they're like iffy. It's like even Toronto, they were the first team that truly tested Toronto early on in that week uh, week six game when Toronto basically had a very similar performance what they did against Calgary. Um, I know too, this is a team like with new ownership. They want a great cup, but it's just like, okay, you're going to have to either build yourself a new stadium, which I don't know where in Montreal you do that because you know they're not going to hold it at Molson Stadium just because it's too small of a stadium to host the great cup. Or you go to Olympic, but Olympic needs a lot of work, so it's like a rock and a hard place. But this is an organization, like, when you look at it, after this, like, the next three games are three true prove-it games with obviously one being in Toronto and then two at home. So if you can get out of this stretch, like, say they get lucky and hand Toronto a loss or if they overcome the odds and beat BC – Basically, it's just, look, fortune's in your favor. It's like all the luck is in your favor going forward. It's like how I said earlier with Toronto. Whoever loses this game, it doesn't feel like a – it could be a bit of a morale buster in the sense of, like, what direction you go to or maybe a game late – like in a month from now, like around Thanksgiving, that wasn't must win, that now, hey, you kind of got to win because, look, Edmonton – Hamilton, excuse me, is only two games back. And then with out west – Saskatchewan and then Calgary and Edmonton, they're all kind of wild cards at the moment. Like, they've shown flashes where they're not good, but then, like, with Calgary, we'll get into them later. Like, Calgary's got some guys on their team that can play. Like, they've just had such bad luck this year as well. So, there's still a lot to prove in these last few weeks of the season that a win this Saturday for either team could really change the organization on how your season's going to go. 
that's kind of how it feels it, for the whole weekend. Like yeah. every single game could go a weird way. I would argue that the Argos game is the least likely um, just because of their track record and Hamilton's track record overall the season. But the other games, like there could be, they could, any team could disrupt any team essentially. Right. And yes. it makes a big difference over time, not necessarily because of that one win in terms of points but because of the momentum like imagine like imagine if the riders beat the bombers like that's throwing off everything we know about the bombers in our minds not that like the riders i mean the riders have, for example have a better record um within the series the labor day series they are coming off a bye week they're playing at home there's obviously advantages they've been doing well but it's still the bombers are a significantly or supposed to be let's just say a better team right and especially the last few years um they won last year they won labor day game last year as well so like it's just there's a lot of question marks but i think that makes it exciting because like i said like last year or the years before i mean 2021 was a shorter year because of covid 2020 yes. was canceled because of covid so the last time i would argue was 2019 that we saw real teams at their full potential you know yeah whereas now it's like we're, we're back to that area where there's competition across the board. So many quarterback changes, whether it was, um, you know, injuries that, you know, other guys were coming in or, in, or sorry, changes in the off season. And we're getting to a point now where we're really seeing that like those changes made a difference and that there's just legit competition in the CFL. You love to see that. Like, I, I feel like the Elks could surprise us. I feel like yeah. they could go off on a streak and then we could be like, hold up. Well, they're suddenly in the playoffs and you just never know. Right. But um, specifically this weekend, it's a huge deal. And like you said, like there's, there's going to like, we're going to see every game matters so much. And we're going to see a lot riding on these games that will continue on into the next half of the season. That's exactly it. Because with like this, how teams can change. Cause that's the thing like where, 2021, you can have a bad year, and then 2022, you're there. That's why the CFL, there's so much parity where one year you're, you're king of the castle, and next year you're in the basement. Um, like, quickly, too, like, even when I look at the odds, like, with the BC-Montreal game, it's 63% of the money's coming in for BC and 37 Montreal. But for Sunday, 72% of people think that the Blue Bombers are, are betting towards the Blue Bombers winning the football game. I feel like, look, both, like you said, Saskatchewan's not, not that they got more to prove, but this feels like a game where I think whoever wins, it's going to be a statement victory because for Saskatchewan, it's a win that can turn your season around. Or for Winnipeg, it's just the, we're coming in. You can't do anything to stop us. You could press against the door, but they're just going to kick the door down and just run the ball through you. And even the fact, too, with them, they have so many, not the fact that they have so many stars, but the two of their four biggest players are Canadian, which makes a huge difference, a huge deal, especially in a league like this. But when I look at... Winnipeg and Saskatchewan in the Banjo Bowl. I'm going to say this. I think Winnipeg's going to win, but I, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if we saw an upset here just because it's one of those moments where, look, you have, like you said, Saskatchewan coming off the bye, Winnipeg coming off big victories. Am I almost talking to myself and is Saskatchewan getting the upset here Sunday night? Because I think I might be. I mean, I feel like a lot of people are open, like more open to that than ever, right? That, 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 like I said, like that the writers might really disrupt things. Um, I will say though, the Bombers are one of those teams that, and you've seen it a lot this season. They, they look like they're kind of maybe, Hey, whoa, are the Bombers getting beat first yeah. couple quarters, like first half of a game, then 
dominate. Like yeah. the, I, that they'll they'll rack up like twenty plus points within what like one quarter. You know what I mean? So they have the potential to switch up real quick if their defense is locked in. If they're often if Dalton Schoen is like looking like this as Zach Kalaros, they are they'll have touchdown to touch. This yeah. guy has like back to back touchdowns in multiple games. I feel like like so there's the Bombers really can just dominate. Um, but it really it depends on what's you know. It just really depends on momentum. It depends on how also locked in um, the riders are. But I mean, the riders' defense has been pretty good so far. So I feel like you never, you just never know. Like honestly, like that's the thing is, if you again, if you asked me last year, I'd have been like, of course the bombers, da da da. This year, oh my god, get your popcorn. Like your bets are legit. Your check, you're refreshing the betting because yeah. <laughs> I don't even like. Now that we're talking about it, I'm like, hold up, maybe the riders got this, but. You know, it, it it could go in so many directions. Um, but what I do like about the Riders this season is like there's an ease to their offense. Like if you see Samuel Amelis, you know, Sean Bain Jr., like the way that they've handled the ball, the way that they've gone about things has been it just felt like it flows. And I think if they're able to continue that, if they're able to just kind of like go yeah like go with the flow and, and let the chemistry with Dolagala just continue it I think that they can really like surprise us and keep scoring like just crazy touchdowns I also feel like too Jay, uh, Jason Dickinson's kind of also slowing it down to where it makes it easier for the players to execute the offense um when I look at this game here like look I know for betting picks like I said like am I talking to them winning or whoever's winning I will say this right now. I think this is a low-scoring game. I think this is a defensive battle. The under is at 47.5 right now. So when I look at that, I'm just like, I can easily see a game where, look, there could be fireworks for all we know, but I feel like this is a game that's just, it's going to be won by defense more than offense because, like you're saying, if the Saskatchewan defense comes to play, it's going to be a long day for the Bombers. But at the same time, too, for all we know, the Bombers can go out there and put up 40. I just see the fact, though, that they put up 40 last week. I just can't see them doing it in back-to-back weeks because we'll get into them in a second. But we talked to them before. There's only one team I trust to put up 30 in consecutive games for reasons because they've done it all year in every game but one. But that's just the way I look at that game. Like, if I were to bet money, which I think I may because why not? It's Labor Day weekend. Let's have some fun. I like that under a 47.5 and and for this to be a defensive football game. 100%. 100%. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, like you were mentioning, I think the, the Bombers defense is also really, it's known to be one of the best, you know, you've got some, some, you know, great veterans who, who know what they're doing and who have definitely like, that's the thing too. The Riders versus Bombers rivalry is massive, right? Yes. Like, of course, Toronto versus Hamilton is, but when you compare East versus West in the CFL, like the West, it's it's the fandom is different, the stakes are higher. So with that comes the passion's higher. Exactly, right? Like it doesn't mean that, you know, again, Argos Hamilton, like it doesn't mean that there's not gonna be a big competition there. But I would argue that like the the West is totally just the, the players know what's at stake. They know this is a huge deal. So I think everybody's gonna be on their A game. It'll just be a matter of who's like who's able to rack up those numbers or like you said if the defenses are able to really make a difference like i think and i love it i think it's just kind of an up in the air thing i i have a feeling and it might not be the riders game that we're gonna see a wild upset this this weekend like you can quote me on that like there's gonna be one game that's just absolutely absurd i have a feeling (laughs) it wouldn't shock me just because it's that time of the year where you just like you see that like how you're saying 
how you said earlier, the season doesn't begin till now. I agree with that in a sense, kind of like with, because people say this is the NFL season where NFL doesn't really start for a lot of teams until Thanksgiving when you truly know who are the teams that have a chance to win it all. With the CFL, I feel like this is a chance for teams that, hey, if you had a bad first half, one win on Labor Day weekend can turn your entire fortunes around. I, I agree with you. I think we're going to see one game where there's a goofy team that everything clicked right for them that day and they've managed to find a way to win, whether that be Montreal, whether that be Saskatchewan, whether it be Hamilton or Edmonton. We'll have to find out and we'll have to find a way and wait and see. But with that being said, we do have Toronto-Hamilton. We've got both big game, provincial games Monday. I only say the passion's higher out west because for them, I know the Winnipeg, they have the Jets, but for Saskatchewan and like and Winnipeg, they're ingrained in this football. Like for them, for them, this football for them is bigger than what the NFL is for a lot of Ontario people, for what it is for a lot of people probably in BC too and other places where the CFL, not that it's viewed, like I know it's big in Hamilton, but for out there, it's like, it's life for them. Like they basically live and breathe with the bombers. They live and breathe with the riders. It's a reason why there's 30,000 people going to these stadiums on a random Thursday night in the middle of August. So it's just, it's ingrained in them. It's in the fabric and it's in the passion, but we're going to see passion at Tim Hortons field Monday. I know the parking lot's open at, 6 30 in the morning i think i saw it was where people are gonna be tailgating all day we're gonna have to get there early if i don't i'm, I'm ready to pay 30 bucks to park in someone's driveway or or in that random plaza where there's the fresh co right next to the church so we'll have to wait we'll have to wait and see for that but toronto versus hamilton and the only thing i'll say here is i think unlike sunday game give me fireworks because why it's the toronto argonauts and they know how to put up points but the only thing i will say with that is though if this game is a shootout I don't like Hamilton because I know when it's a shootout game, Hamilton just doesn't have, I think, the offensive firepower to keep up with the other team. Kind of like how we saw that the two games with Toronto this year already. We saw that against Montreal and especially that weird weather game against Hamilton, uh, Edmonton, excuse me, which you were at. Yeah. I mean, I definitely respect this Hamilton Tiger Cats organization team. I just think that the Argos the way that they've been going all season, I think there's no way that they're going to like, this is the game. They're going to be a little annoying. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, it's, does that make sense? They're going to, they want to show off in this game. They want to go off. And when you bring that type of energy, they're already dominating. So they're already confident when they're bringing that kind of energy to, to Tim Hortons field on Labor Day weekend. It's just dangerous for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's not to say that the Tiger Cats can't, you know, rack up some numbers and do their thing. I just think ultimately the Argos are going to be in a different zone. And I don't just mean this with the Ticats. I mean, this across the board in the whole league, like they, no matter who this team was, they have that energy, but in a, obviously the rivalry does bring that out a little bit more. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I think it's going to be Argos. I think maybe the Ticats can, will have that excitement a little early on, but I have a feeling that once the Argos get going, it's just going to be, it's just going to be a wrap. <laughs> It's, it's going to be curtains because, like, I remember after Calgary asked about this, I said, hey, how do you take this momentum into Hamilton? And they're basically saying that, like, look, we know that they're going to be up for this game. We know, like, everyone knows that this is a game Hamilton's going to be getting up for. But I like Toronto to go out there and show off because, look, we've seen it all year. Plus two, they know that this, this for them, could be a statement game. I feel like I say that in the sense of last week they didn't play the best. You go into a team, look, because Hamilton's Hamilton's on a high right now. They got a win. They got a convincing win in BC when no one saw that coming. I even thought BC was going to go out there and kill them, to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be like a, like a 20 point. Like when I said this, I was like, Lions and Tigers, but the Lions are going to maul the Tigers. Flip the animals around. And it was the opposite <laughs> way. But, um, yeah, I, I just, 
this could be the weird game though. That's like Hamilton just like shows up, and because they know that if they win on Monday night, that place is going to be loud. 100%. But I'll say this too: the Argos have a secret weapon on their side when it comes to loud. Because at practice today, the uh, Snowbirds were going, so they're going to be ready. They know what to. Ex- I feel like they know what to expect. And you're catching a Hamilton team that's a little bit on their high horse right now. So they're either going to stay on that horse or they're going to get knocked off. We're just going to have to wait until Monday afternoon at 3.30 to find out which direction <laughs> it goes in. Also say this too, I love the game time. I love that it's not like a 1 o'clock kickoff or like it's a, like late night would have been cool, but I love that 3.30 smack in the middle of the afternoon kickoff time for this game. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, and that's the thing, like it's – you never know with the CFL, right? Things mm-hmm. can change in the last couple minutes of any game. So it's hard to say, even if there is a really favored team, it's hard to say. And when the when the home stadium, especially a passionate uh, fan base like the Hamilton Tiger Cats, is supporting the team, is coming out, is tailgating 6 a.m., is spending the day, you know, starting early to support the Tiger Cats, like, you don't know what, what kind of Im- impact and influence that can have on a, on a team. So... You know, I'm excited for I am excited for Ticats fans. I'm excited for the Ticats organization. I and again, like I said, I will say this every single time. James Butler, guys. If you want to watch the Ticats, lock your eyes on number nine, because this guy is incredible. He will make something happen out of nothing. And so, you know, again, like if he's able to dominate like he did in BC, who's to say that the Ticats can't have a chance? And and again, that's what I love about this league. And and it's the perfect uh, thing, you know, perfect momentum or perfect energy for like a rivalry, a big rivalry game. Exactly. Like where there's the the fans that like hate each other. There's there's like so like my my, my one side of the family, like they love the Argos. They stuff. They basically take the Oski Wee Wee the lyrics that I'm not going to say on the air. But I love doing this just because we have to add the betting aspect. I want to see what a James Butler touchdown is worth because – that's the one thing I noticed with Toronto is that sometimes they have trouble and they're not available yet, but when they are available, I'll shoot you a text. Um, they have trouble in the tackle game, and we also saw this too against Calgary, and we saw this against Ottawa. If you run the ball on them, they've been having trouble. Calgary did it. Darren Crum, who looked Ottawa for as down to the dumps as they looked in the last few games, Darren Crum still managed to run around and get some plays off. That's why I love a game like this to where I feel like it's going to be a shootout because, like, I expect Toronto to go in there and put up 30. And who's to say Hamilton's not going to go in there? Because, like I said, they're going to be up for this game. Orlando Steinauer is going to have everything. Plus two, Scott Milanovic. Not, I know he hasn't been with Toronto for a long time, but he has a history in Toronto. So he may know like what's up. Or even if you watch games against like the, the two Calgary games or the Ottawa game, they kind of made the blueprint on, hey, how can you stop the Argos? Because like I was saying earlier, Penalties have been the other one, too, because penalties have really put Toronto in some trouble in the recent games. But then, too, if one team's not, if one unit's not working, the other unit picks it up. Or like I said, too, you always have that ace in the hole named Javon Leak. Oh, my God. I was actually going to mention Javon Leak. Shout out to Javon Leak for scoring. It was his fourth um, punt return for a touchdown this All-time single-season record. I mean, and he was so sweet. He was like, I'm going to give this ball to my mom. He was so happy, as you should, Javon. And that's the thing. Like, there's guys that I think, again, he was there last year, I believe. And he was, like, nobody thought, not that, like, they thought he was, you know, he's always a good player. But we didn't see that potential come out yeah. till this season. And so there are some guys that will just 
show up in ways that you don't necessarily expect or you didn't see previously until this season when they're getting that chance and that momentum. Um, he's incredible. So I'm just so proud. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, James Butler, I would actually love to know what the odds are for that because, I mean, I can only assume that he's going to be, they're going to give him the ball a hundred million times because they, he really just doesn't give up on the, when he runs the ball. <laughs> because that's just it though, because like he doesn't give up. He knows how to run the ball. So it's like, Hey, if you're going to be Toronto, you're going to do it on your feet. I believe it's still going to be Taylor Powell starting on, on um, Monday, excuse me, but then both Levi should be back soon. But at the same time too, this is another game where if Hamilton somehow sneaks out the win, it's like, okay, we've beaten BC. We've beaten Toronto on Labor Day in our own house. Oh, that would be wild. Bro. You've got Ottawa coming up on Friday. So it's just this thing now where it's like, who's to stop us? Plus two with Hamilton, apart from hosting, it's the fact that they haven't won since the turn of the millennium. That's the other thing with them too, where every other team has a great cup from 2010 onward. Hamilton doesn't have one from 99 onward. So it's just mm-hmm. for them. There's just that extra X factor to go out there and get the win. So We'll see what happens, but ultimately, like I said, I think Club Dub is going to reside in the visiting locker room Monday afternoon. Club Dub, oh my god, I love it. And that's the problem is I'm one of those people I cannot hide my emotions, and I'm not biased. I'll say say it like it is. But when you mention the Argos, my face lights up because Club Dub is real. <laughs> they do be racking up those dubs, you know, and 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 they've really proved that. Like they, can, I agree. I think I think Hamilton will try and i think we're gonna we're gonna be impressed in a way but i don't think they're gonna ultimately get the win you know yeah i feel like this is gonna be a game like like the spread's at about seven and a half right now i still feel like there's a chance that that's covered i feel like this is a touchdown kind of game but where there's just one difference and when it comes to the difference makers like friday night i ultimately see toronto just being that having the upper hand on this but then when you go out west for the monday night game for as good for as good of a story as Hamilton's been, I'm sorry. I this is a retribution game for Calgary just because they've got a sour taste in their mouth from how they lost. Plus two, only having the one home win on the year. You get you get Edmonton in there where it's kind of like, hey, people think they've won two in a row. Can they do it? I, I think this is a game where you look at it where you have to go. Calgary's got it. I'll say this too. Jake Mayer is impressing the hell out of me this year. The kid can throw the ball. Reggie Bagleton, like, he came out of nowhere and balled out on Friday night where I was just like, oh, my God, this guy's just catching everything. Luther, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Uh, same thing, too. He had a touchdown. But that's the thing with Calgary where I'm like, you give them an inch, you give them a mile because we saw there was the one penalty on the um, – they were going for a field goal, got the first down, next play, boom, touchdown. So that's where I feel like Dave Dickinson can go in there and know how to control the pace of the game overall. And like I said, too, for Calgary, it's just been a bad luck year. So this is this right here is a game, Edmonton-Calgary, where I feel like you win this game. Sure, it's 2-9 and nine against 3-8. and eight. Going to 4-8 and eight is, sounds a lot better than going to 3-9 and nine because if you can get that fourth win this weekend, it's like kind of the same thing with Edmonton, Hamilton, excuse me, if they win, where it's like whoever wins this game, it's that who's stopping you. But like I said, for the fact that Calgary almost beat Toronto again and they're going in – and they're at home, I'm just like, I, I, I got to say that the Stampeders will just stampede on Monday night. I'm going to go against you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, I know. I think this Edmonton Elks team, this version of them. I like Trey Ford. I'll say that. I really like Trey Ford. I love Trey Ford. And, and he's a great person. Um, he's a Canadian quarterback to the core, played in U Sports, you know, Waterloo. Um, but here's the thing. 
when you've been at rock bottom, when you're you as a team, as an organization have been at rock bottom and by rock bottom, if people don't know, the Edmonton Elks had a 22 game home losing streak, which was the highest in history in uh, North America ever, 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 ever. They literally made history this year. Crazy. You, they were, what were they in general? They hadn't, they didn't have a win. They were 0 and 9. So they didn't even win away for like, a big chunk of the first half of the season um, lost their president. And I believe he was the general manager, president general, yeah, Victor, general manager, Victor Chu, Victor Kui. Um, Victor Kui. Yeah. Know. So he was, so Victor Kui had come into Edmonton, I believe last year, right before last year. Um, he's very like innovative in terms of social media and promotion and marketing. And whatnot. He did amazing. He's a great guy, but they parted ways right like like after i think the 22nd home loss or yeah. was it the home loss or the 20 i don't know but right before this past couple of weeks um before the edmonton game where uh sorry not before the Edmonton game, before the home win um anyways all that to say is there was a million there was a change in the offensive coordinator jarius jackson took over as offensive coordinator um steven mcadoo was there before he's doing some other stuff with the elves right now but all that to say there's been crazy changes at quarterback we started with taylor cornelius who got paid a lot of money to be the starter and to be that guy for edmonton he was not that great i'm so sorry taylor um replacing with jared daggy he was okay for one he was a couple games he did okay but nothing to put our whole teams back on people were saying trey for trey for trey for please get him in finally they do and look at them now oh my goodness i can't even talk about it trey ford can run the ball like crazy this guy just just like James Butler, he doesn't give up. He will run, 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 go through anybody. He's really fast, um, scores touchdowns himself, uh, you know, also passing the ball and doing incredible. Like he's just really shaking things up to the point where I honestly think that this Edmonton Elks team is a totally different team the second half of the season. Um, obviously, Gina Lewis injured as well for a while. It's really unfortunate. He's back. He scored a touchdown. In the last game, um, which was their home, their final, finally they won yes. at home, which is this week that just passed. Um, and he helped with that as well. I think that's only going to continue. You know, we have veterans like Manny Arsenault as well on offense. Stephen Dunbar Jr., I think not this game that just passed, but the one before went off when he was in Hamilton. He used to play for Hamilton, so he went off at his former home. Um, so, yes, my I think that they are developing something that, Yes, they're still new. It's still raw. We don't know what to expect. But I think that their momentum and their energy, they're, they're, they've been so low that they're just like, I can't do this anymore. And I think they have not, like, they're going to put all their cards on the table. Um, they're one, two straight. They're going to get a third, I think, at McMahon against their rivals. I don't know, because you said Jake Mayer. You were impressed by Jake Mayer. I'm going to be honest, I wasn't. Mm. And it's just because the hype around him yeah. after the Bo Levi stuff was massive. And he, I'm not saying he didn't perform well. There's games where he did, really did. Um, but I don't think that I, if I, if you were to compare the quarterbacks, not that like you can just magically compare them and they're not exactly the same, obviously they don't have the same experience either. But if you just were to compare it right off the bat, Trey Ford is, I think in a separate section. And I think he's going to be similar to Chad Kelly, different of course, yeah. but similar. He's going to, I don't. I think he's going to be one of those guys that just stays um, as starter some, somewhere, whether it's with Edmonton, obviously this year, but who who knows the, the future? But he's going to be one of those guys. 
Yeah, because like I was looking at it today with the Chad Kelly signing where I look at all the quarterbacks in the league and I'm like, okay, like he's not saying earlier that like fans can attach themselves to like BC, I'll say they do. Trey Ford feels like that guy that like it's still I started saying this expression because I love using it for football players, but it's like when you're cooking steak and you just don't throw it on the grill raw and expect it to taste good that you gotta like let let it marinate, let it like, you know, let the flavors soak in. It's kind of the same thing with a football player with development where Look, you can't just throw them on the field and expect greatness immediately. They got to work their way up to it, kind of like how Chad Kelly's proven himself in this contract. I feel like Trey Ford's in that stage now where he's got all the tools, he's got the traits, and he's got the personality to be that person, but you got to give him some time to get there. I'm just, like I was saying, I was just impressed more or less with Jake, the way he can throw the ball and he just could go out there and chuck it. Obviously, look, he did make some mistakes, but it's just the fact that when they, like the fact that we're down 14 nothing, and that he just managed, hey, we're going to go out here. Chuck two touchdowns up, like I was saying, to how Bagleton went off because there was someone on Calgary. Yeah, Bagleton went off. Yeah, he had like three touchdowns for like uh, two or three touchdowns, but he also had like I think at least 160 or 170 yards in that game receiving. So that's the thing though with Calgary, where I feel like it's they're a very high risk, high reward team where they'll take the risks, but then they know the they'll take the risks knowing that if they don't get them, they're probably going to lose. But if they get the if they, if they play that high risk offense. It can either go in their favor. I just like them on Monday just for that retribution factor. Yep. And just because, too, I feel like it wouldn't shock me. Like I said, it wouldn't shock me to see any of these teams win or lose. I just think that Calgary's coming in with that chip on their shoulder, kind of like how BC's coming in with that chip on their shoulder. Even even Montreal to an extent, because, look, Montreal was a team that's like, hey, they're looking good. Like even Ryan did what he said after Ottawa, where he's like, hey, I don't pay attention to the standings, but I know Montreal's right on our back. So, you have all these teams with something to prove. And then with Toronto, I don't think it's something to prove, but I think it's just something to build off of. It's something to really drive this, the just basically drive that nail through the coffin to where it's like, hey, there's a very good chance that hopefully when you and I return in two months, Lucas, if you're listening to this, um, that when we go back to Hamilton in November, it is the double blue coming out of one of those tunnels. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I would love that, um, of course. But just going back a little bit, also to Calgary. I mean, they've struggled with a lot of injuries as well. Yes. So it's it's you know, Kadeem Carey, who is their one of the best running backs in the league, was out for. I don't I actually didn't check the update, so I I don't know if they're if he's able to make it this Labor Day, but he was out as well as Tommy Lee Lewis, I believe, one of the receivers. <laughs> That's um, who it was. That's who I was thinking. Yes. Tommy Lee Lewis was out Friday. So without, I'm not saying without them, they can't. You know, of course, again, like Reggie Bailton did what he did, and that was amazing. But it is hard, right, when your offense is missing these key guys that you're relying on. So I feel for them for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, one thing I will say about Trey Ford, and this is just something that just came to my mind right now, so I'll just throw it out there, is All what good. makes him unique as a quarterback is the youth sports aspect. He's played Canadian football since from the beginning. I think that that's an advantage that I think a lot of times when CFL, like, we're used to American quarterbacks and for good reason. They're incredible. Yes. You know, in the States, they are developed in a way that a lot in schools here, we don't, you know, we focus on hockey maybe more than we do on football <laughs> from like a young age. Um, but that said, I think there is something to be said for a quarterback that started in Canadian football, played in Canadian football his whole career and dominated. So it, it, it's just, you know what, like you said, like you just don't know. You just don't know. And Toronto, I mean, going back to what you said about Toronto, like, 
like I said, I can't hide my bias. I'm not even biased in a way that I'll say something just because it's Toronto, but I'm just really excited for that team. And I really think that ultimately it'll be uh, Bombers in Toronto again in the Grey Cup. So. I still feel like that too, but like even going to the point of where I can see a chance where Hamilton's going to want to come out and they're going to want to come out hard is because there's probably all that talk for them where it's like, do you really want Toronto coming back to this building at all this year? Obviously, it's Hamilton's home, but for Hamilton, it's more or less uh, go knock the king off their pedestal. Like, I want to say this right now, and for all of the isms that you and I have thrown out, I feel like this is the perfect podcast title, but I say it for football where it's any given Sunday. For this week, it's any given Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. So, you basically, <laughs> that's that's what it just, it just feels like. It Like, the CFL is so unpredictable to the sense of where it's like anything can happen. But ultimately, like I said, with Toronto, it's that – you ride with them until they prove you wrong. It's like anything. And even like with Calgary too, you have all these players, like you've had all this bad injury luck, like I said, no Tommy Lee Lewis, but then it's just like, if they can get everything clicked right, I feel like it's just a thing that can turn their season around. And also to beating a rival, it's just, there's a feeling to that. And even like Chris Jones, I watched his video, the Edmonton post game video after they beat Ottawa. And he's just like, guys, just remember this feeling. Remember how good it feels because for them, used to losing, and even we even talked about him where people wanted him fired, but the Elks financially couldn't do it because it would just end up costing them so much more money to have not this guy coach your team. So with that being said, you have nine teams. Actually, I'm going to say eight because for as cool as the story Ottawa was, I just feel like that 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 glass slippers turned back into a pumpkin. That's the carriage just turned back into a pumpkin for Ottawa for as much. Because like I even remember telling you where I was just like, I remember, I think that was the first time you and I met where I said, I can see every team winning, but Ottawa and Edmonton. I'm still going to say that, but I feel like Edmonton's that team where if they get a third win in a row, it's kind of that, hey, it's us against the world mentality. Like, who is stopping us? Like, that's the thing with them. So a win for all these teams means so much, means so much in so many different ways. But at the same time, too, for as much as a win means a lot, a loss for some of these teams, I think can really put a wrenching your plans to be back in to go to Hamilton come November 19th it's huge honestly and it's it's that's what makes it fun that's why yes. I'm so excited for this weekend it's like the 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 stakes are high um and you know for me like in terms of the top teams right yeah. I think that we're not I, this is my argument, not even argument, but obviously we're going to see a lot the, the next few, um, the, the, sorry, the last half of the season and this, the next few days, um, we're going to see a lot about how these teams perform and we're going to, we're going to make judgments and assess based off of that. But for me, the biggest thing is that, uh, Toronto versus Bombers game, which I think is like in week 17. Um, and yeah, we, haven't seen, we haven't seen them play yet each other oh. again since the since the great cup last year to me that says we'll say it all it will literally say it all and it doesn't mean that if let's say bombers or argos win that game that they won't if they meet again in the great cup they won't be able to you know beat each other like whoever the the opposite person can or opposite team can beat the other team but i think we haven't really seen that game that we need to see to yeah. like make that full assessment because Yes, the Lions, for example, we saw them play against the Argos. VA had those six picks, which was like the first, you know, it was like the biggest, the first stumble, let's just say, for the for the Lions. That was very apparent. But VA still, I think he threw still for over like 300, 400 yards that game. Um, and he was able to continue some success as well. So like, but the Lions, for example, as the third team that were the top three ones that can really like win the Grey Cup based off of the conversations that we're all having in 
off season during the season is the lions have are more uh, like up in the air and they don't have that pedigree. And I, and not that they haven't won the great cup before, but it's not recent. Right. So these guys that are on this team might, a lot of them have not necessarily seen that themselves, right? They they recently got to that point where, oh, we're, we can maybe win a great cup. We can make it to the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas Argos and uh, Bombers are already in that space. So once we see those two guys go head to head, I think, and it's further in the season. So it's pretty much basically the end of the season at that point. We're going to get a way better picture. I think that's going to be like a life-changing moment for us. <laughs> Um, okay. So, um, I, I've said this many times, but like, like I said, I'll have to probably change the podcast title after your rant there, which I just loved it. But, um, that, cause that BC Toronto game, I always remember this too. The Toronto was an underdog going into that game where I still feel like people were like, I don't know. I still feel like that was the coming out party for Toronto where I even remember after the Hamilton game, I talked to Roberts and Daniel and he told me, he's like, no one's targeted me. Like, no one's like his target share went down significantly after that three pick game where he barely saw the ball against Hamilton and, and Montreal. So it's just that thing where that was the coming up party for them. But I feel like that Toronto Winnipeg game is truly going to be viewed as a potential great cup preview. Cause I remember everyone back in week one was saying Winnipeg and Ham and Hamilton, like that's the week, that's the great cup preview. But then the Argos home opener, boom, Chad Kelly, three rushing touchdowns. The, there's been so many threes, like the, the three picks by Robertson. You know, the Devaris Daniels three touchdown game you had. Then last Friday where there's just a share of the ball going around to every single player. And even to a guy like Curley who's getting in there making plays. You have Dejan Brissett making plays. You have Cam Phillips making plays. Even on the defensive side of the ball, you have the guy who I feel like there's always a toothpick near his mouth in Winston McManus. Who's, I love go. McManus. Oh Same. <laughs> I, that's why I always I asked him one time. I was just like, "Do you ever not have a toothpick near you? Like even during practice, too, when he's not doing something, he always has it in his mouth." It's, it's so, just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just it. So there's just so this league has so much potential, and there's just like I feel like we're waiting for that powder keg to explode of who's going to be there in October. I say October just because that's when the playoff picture starts to assemble. Like I feel like at the point I would have to say right now, you probably have four spots locked up. I'd say. Unless their seasons go off the rails, I would say BC, Winnipeg, Montreal, and Toronto. Those are the four teams that you have. And then you right now have – I'll still throw Ottawa in there where because, like, look, for all I know I'm saying where I said the thing about the pumpkin earlier, they still have a chance to turn their season around, especially, too, when you're coming off a bye and you have Hamilton coming in off a short week. So we'll see what happens there. But it's like I'm saying before, it's just this weekend. It just feels like for – teams that it's just a different meaning for hey what it's basically are you going to get on the direction where you're going to keep going full speed on the highway or are you going to just take the exit ramp and call it a season so that's ultimately what i think is the path of where both teams we're both teams in toronto and hamilton and where all nine of these teams are still have somewhere to go 100 percent. i mean like i'm just gonna be consuming every single piece of information that I can in the last half of the season, because like you said, you never know, like you just don't know where it's going to go. Um, and that makes it fun, right? For people who are first timers watching the CFL or are betting on the CFL. <laughs> um, but it's true. You're right. Like everything you said agreed. <laughs> that's, that's just it. That's just it. But you know what? I know we've done this before. Last time, like, look, there was the echo problem, so it wasn't what it was. This time, it seems like there's perfect audio, so there's nothing wrong with there. I know this is also too funny because, guys, Sarah's the first ever person that I've met in person from the football side of things 
that came on here. So asking someone in person, pretty cool thing to do. But anyway, I'm going to see you on Monday. Guys, enjoy this weekend of football, whether you're watching college, whether you're gearing up for the NFL or your fantasy drafts like I am. And like, look, too, if you want to watch some professional football, the CFL is there on CBS Sports Network. If you're in the States or if you're in Canada, you know where to find it on that three-letter network we love and know as TSN. But anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up here for episode 243 of YWC Football Talk. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend and enjoy all four of these CFL games. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.